Okay, we're going to get started, all right? Part of what they do is so Not like the nation's whatever. Where should I be? Over here? Yeah, if you could try to stay somewhere like. Okay, let me get the computer then. From yeah, from there and on is fine. Okay, I'm gonna if you can face it that way a little bit, and then you it this way. Okay, and I think that's good, right? All right. Is over here fine? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Should I be standing or sitting? You it doesn't make sense. Okay, I usually I usually walk around that. Right. No, you should walk here. Oh. Okay, so it's it's been recording already. Okay. Good. Pocket. Pocket. Okay, it's going. Okay. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to today's year. Uh, before we get started, it's a it's, it's a it's a topic which uh, I was told yesterday. Oh, come on, that's not really relevant to us. I think it really is, especially if we care for the state of Israel. We care for our whole uh, relationship with the the non-Jewish world, which of course is is a very difficult one and complex. Uh, we dedicate this year. Um, to a man who just we just uh, commemorated his shloshim, uh, he was an incredible Talmud Chacham, and as you can see, if you read the blurb, uh, the commentator extraordinary, you might know of him from the commentators uh, Haggadah, the commentators uh, Siddur, Rav Yitzchok Sender, Rav Yitzchok Ben Arav Meisha Aaron Sender, Zeher Tzadik Vodrocha. I knew him personally; I was connected with him. Uh, on a, on a daily basis for 20 years uh, when I was in Chicago that's the yeshiva based Medish Lutero, also known colloquially as Skokie Yeshiva because Yeshiva moved from Chicago to Skokie. Uh, it's already been remarked about how Rabbi Sender uh, being raised in an America where full Shabbos was the norm even among people that called themselves Orthodox uh, not only uh, became uh, a tremendous yeshiva bocher, a mashpia, but also he rose through the ranks, teaching on every level, till uh, I saw him as the Rosh Hashiva of that yeshiva, and uh, a more honest, direct, and lover of Torah I've never seen. Um, I wrote up a little bit about him, uh, those of you can read it, I want to go through every single prat. I do just want to mention to you that uh, as I wrote here, uh, he was although everyone knows him from the commentator, commentator Sagoda, the commentator Siddur, he also wrote Svarim on Nevuah, on what he called the canon, what we in the secular world call the canonization of Tanakh, meaning how the Chavdal and Sifri Tanakh came together, Hilchus Kiddush HaChodesh, Halachos that all are connected to Avaser Yisrael, tremendous connection to the to history of Klal Yisrael. Uh, three different svarim on the Vim and the Vua, the Halacha, Masse Elyon, and the Horsh Raga, I believe, not the Horsh Raga, Beish Raga, and it's 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 a wonderful place to find out about topics that are germane to what it means for us to be a Jewish nation and what our history is about. Melech, Melochim, Rabbi Seitzchuk, Sender. Um, and again, he was uh, an incredible person in terms of the way he interacted with people, the most modest of people, 
despite his goodness. Um, also, I just want to mention uh, the chasna. This was why I wasn't here last week. Um, chasna of my nephew, uh, Perry uh, Scott, and uh, Scott's name is Shmuel. Uh, as I found this Maimar Chazal last night, that a person doesn't want to be mahana from people, he doesn't want to take benefits. Shmuel Hanavi is always the way to be that way. Many of us struggle with the idea of coming on to people, asking people stuff, needing things. That's all right if that's the way you are. But do it like Shmuel, as the Pusik says, Bichuvosoi Haramosa, Kishon Beisa. Especially after you're married, sometimes even if you're not directly with your wife, you feel that you're with her. And you can, anywhere you go, you feel that you're home, you feel that strong connect in this shmuel. Uh, and Perry, you should build that bias where everywhere you go, because that's what you want to do, shmuel. You want to, the shmuel wants to become a machanach, he already is a machanach. We know that being a machanach takes you on a merry-go-round, sometimes places where you don't even expect to be. But when Beisa Yizimai, and as Perry, as I wrote, Penina, Moshem Shamayim, Niskavin, and everything that you do, even in the small details of working a, a, a married life out, if it's Moshem Shamayim, like the Penina or your namesake, then I know things will be oily open. Okay, uh, today's topic is, as I said, it is really an international one. And it's international and ethical, and it does challenge the welfare of the state of Medina Israel. Not easy money, but oozy money. <laughs> you like that, right? Oozy money. Selling Israeli arms to villainous regimes. Now, uh, one of the things you might have noticed, and we can start with that, is at the end of October, the beginning of November of 2017, a number of articles started appearing in the Israeli newspapers. Here's one of them. This was, I don't know of this paper, you know, Eretz Yisrael was maybe the place that's still going to keep magazines and newspapers going, basically because I guess of Shmira Shabbos, so they still, there's still a plethora of newspapers, and you, you, you need a scorecard to keep uh, a hold of them. But this is called Devar Rishon. It's very important to read the news on Shabbos, uh, even that, though you can't use That's what I'm saying, Ellie, that's right. So here was something that came out in the they end of really October, and... You could see that um, there was a, a, a couple of hundred people came out in protest. It says Asarot, so that's only tens, but maybe it was a couple of hundred. Uh, because the Israeli government, it was revealed, was selling arms to Myanmar. Myanmar. Myanmar was known up until 1989 as Burma, right? Which is in Asia, East Asia, East. Thank you. Right, all the way near near uh, North Korea, near, near Laos, and near right yeah. north, south of China, um, and it has about fifty-six million people. Uh, it's run by a strong military. Uh, I wouldn't call it a junta because that's more of a Spanish thing, right? But it's definitely run by uh, the military and whoever they prop up there. Um, that, as you can see, that so many of the Uzi machine guns and other things are being sold to Myanmar, where the government has been for years exterminating, and especially most recently violently, um, 
this group of, I don't want to mispronounce their name, because it is new to me, I have to say, but the, here it is. Um, you can see the imagery here. And let's see. Um, who are, who are they, who have they been killing? Well, it's called the Rohingya. The Rohingya. Um, which, which are, they are Muslims. Now, in a, there are a million, a hundred thousand of them in Myanmar. And for ten, for the, for the, for decades, they have been, uh, a, a afflicted minority. And at the end of August, they found out that because, and again, when you are an afflicted minority, you do rebel. And because there was a rebel movement, the police forces moved in, and they basically did whatever they could to destroy the, uh, again, I want to say properly, Rohingya, uh, in a way that they actually not only threw them out of their places where they were living, and here you see they were actually escaping, escaping to Bangladesh. You know you're pretty desperate. <laughs> right? 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 You make it. Let's get to Bangladesh, guys. If we get to Bangladesh, we'll be all right. Worse or worse off there. Huh? It's worse off there. But that's where they were going. As you can see, um, they actually burnt people. Uh, the, the government came and uh, with the fear, they burnt uh, people in their homes. Um, thousands of people, as you can see, went to Bangladesh without anything. There were stories that came out that seemed to be uh, the, the UN and others and the Red Cross, uh, the Red Crescent, have said that there were definitely men and women and little girls and boys uh, that were raped and that were murdered. Um, and the problem is, of course, that this is not the first regime that the Israelis have sold arms to, that these type of terrible things can be said. Um, whether it's, it seems like, and again, I didn't do my research well enough, but I'm sure if you guys are sitting with your phones and you're Googling, you can find out other regimes that Israel has sold weapons to has provided more than just weapons because it isn't just weapons that they sell. It's also security. It's also the means of being... Iran. Iran was Israel's one of their biggest trading partners. During the time of the Shah. Absolutely. And they sold them not only the weapons and how to use them, but also the methods of being a security force, the methods of interrogation, intelligence. So it isn't just about a physical weapon that I'm giving you and now you learn how to do it. It's also training and involvement and Israel has been involved in it for many years. Uh, and, and there has been a quiet but subtle and strong reaction not only from the BDS movement and the people that are constantly pointing to Israel and their Medina Yisrael as, 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 as a Nazi type of state there have been a number of from people, Rabbonim, and Poiskim, really, that have been approached about this question. What, of course, the Medina is not run by the <clears throat> However, when there's something on this magnitude, do the B'nai have a responsibility to at least advise, if they're advising about the drafting of, of Yeshiva Light, if they're advising about the propriety of women in the in, in the army, if they're being advised about casualties in the military, maybe they should raise their voice about 
the propriety and the correctness of economy, an economy that's built on that type of help. And I don't know if you would call it collaboration, but in some ways, yes. So I have to show you before we get started. Again, I always like to start with the hook and with the. And, and I mean, of, Israel would hate it if people were doing that with the uh, with, with Iran or Syria. In other words, Israel would target um, would target. Israel would declare a state of war. <laughs> okay, so I want to show you that, and again, you know, I, a lot of times when. If you remember a number of years ago, and again, perhaps the parallel is really unjust. But you remember when there was a call to close the, the border to Syrian refugees? There was a, a groundswell of rabbis throughout America who, and they sent us, especially in New Jersey, you might remember, Remember the late Chris Christie, right? Maybe we can get him to come now. I don't know how busy he is. I think sort of free lunch might bring him in. I don't know. But what? Yeah, I can have a beach chair ready. I think we get. Okay, no, no, no. But thank you. Good But but the point is, there were letters that were sent to Chris um, about his, you know, his sheet of, of stopping immigration uh, from Syria. Uh, and, and many of the names, and I remember I was teaching a class in sociology and in Jewish history in a high school in Brooklyn uh, a couple years ago. And, you know, we had a smart board. And I showed him this letter, and I looked at the names in the letter, and I didn't see any Orthodox Rabbanim or any names that I knew in that world. So similarly, here's the letter the Rabbanim came out. And take a look, you can see that this, this is a letter of Rabbanim Viragot. Now, Rabba, as we know from Avi Weiss and from Yeshiva Chovei uh, Torah, is basically a female Talmud Chacham, I guess, who has rabbits, who has studied, who has studied there. So that's how I assume what it means, Rabbanim Viragot. Neged Mechiras Neshek. So I just want to read you the letter and see some of the names here. And I guess... I want to know why there weren't other. Again, we can we can, we can speculate why there's other names that aren't here. Uh, but here's the letter. So let me try to bold it for you. This was this came out uh, this came out in November. This letter. So here's the letter that came out to the state. Uh, so again, remember, in, in, at the end of October, there were protests, and, and the Dvar was heralding the fact that people from the left and the right, non-religious and religious, came together to protest this uh, sale. Then the Rabbonim decided they need a special letter besides the physical protest. Here's their letter, and we're going to talk about the halachic parts of the letter. It says it can't be that a, a state that's built on the vision of the Nevi'im can help a government like this. This was in October. It was still Chodesh Elul, Chodesh Tishrei. We beg from God, Rachmanus. It's not enough to beg God to be compassionate, we have to become compassionate ourselves. Kerabonim uh, rabboniot, not rabot, I guess, rabbinsons. Anche men v'nashot nashim. I'm not going to argue with that. I don't know. 
I'm shaving that shot. Uh, you might be right. I, I, they, they, uh, I ain't gonna argue with them. They're probably right. Okay. We're talking about not. We're talking about people who do all the ways in the Zohar. So there are chedar chenolam. Einam yichom mushtok asher medinas yisrael misayeis the mashkisim shavahol mashkis. They're helping the destruction, despite the uniform, despite the government pay. This is not a power that's positive. Despite the fact that it might be a recognized government with an embassy, we're talking about mashkisim. This language is based on the Loshon of the Rambam, who wrote it in Arabic in the Parish Mishnah, but that's where it comes from. But the Isser, and this is where we get into the Dafyomi, of course, that the Isser of selling uh, items of, 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 I wouldn't call WMDs, but anything even much less than that, the Rambam says the reason is is because we cannot help promote the destruction of the world. Well, they're not WMDs, but they are giving the uh, whatever right. they're selling weapons. Right, right. Like I'm any sort of any sort of if, if the people involved are involved in a destructive, like you, you heard, burning, raping, killing these children. That's the hashkosa of the world. We know that we are not trying to say that we're going to close down the defense system. Okay, we're not trying to close down the defense, the Israeli defense uh, infrastructure because that's important. Because they need it for what? First of all, bitchonit. We know that we have to produce weapons in order to keep us safe. This is not only in terms of uh, against our enemies, but for our economy. It's clear that Israeli weaponry, there's so much R&D money that goes into developing the type of weapons that they have. You know that, you say. There's Israel. Again, I know that I know a little bit about Israeli history because I taught it here in this school and in others. That post 1948, the Israelis were. <coughs> do you remember that movie, Toy Story, the first one, where there's a next door neighbor who's got all these dolls and he makes all these crazy little things from right? Sid. He's got what? Sid. Sid. So Sid has got all these pieces that he's turned into like these Frankenstein types of things. That's the way the Hobville, but not by much, that the Israelis were post-1948. They, they sort of salvaged and took whatever little crummy pieces of Russian hardware and other things they found, and then using good old Jewish ingenuity and other things, they sort of came up with, like, oh, this tank can work. We can re- retrofit this old Sherman tank that America has already moved way beyond, then we can make it work. That's the way in the, in the battles in 48 and 56, that was the sort of like, oh boy, that's interesting what you can do with that, right? Like the jalopies that you're building, the hot rods. But eventually, of course, as we approach 67 and a real advancement of the 25 years in the Israeli of the, 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 the Medina, they not only became salvagers, but they also became inventors because they needed to. Because after 56, and then especially after 67, when Russians and others would stop selling them weapons, 
and there was a call for that, the Israelis became extremely inventive in, 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 in modeling and sometimes using espionage to basically you know, find the American plans or whatever it was and then do a knockoff. French plan. What? French plan. Okay, American. right. But basically, they became a chachin. They became inventors of, 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 of having the weapon work quicker and faster. And two I, weeks ago, what? Two weeks ago at the, the SHOT Show, which is the largest like firearm show in the world, where everyone announces their new things, the Israelis came out with a certain shotgun, and it was the headline of the whole show. I mean, there are everybody who ever makes a gun shows up this place. The Israelis had the headlines. Yeah. Wow. Right. So they, and again, because when you're going, and, and, and I have students, Baruch Hashem, were Oywat Israel and became soldiers. And I know from their firsthand experiences, when they have to go into Arab towns, and they are... They have, to, they have to react with lightning reflexes to to sniper fire. They need the quickness of a, of a gun that they can not have to reload, that they're able to fire as many as they can. So the Israelis needed to have the best weaponry. The problem was that the cost of developing this weaponry was <laughs> couldn't be justified just for giving it to their soldiers. They needed to be able to counter that by selling the weapon. In other words, that's what allowed them to produce this incredible weapons was the fact that they knew that they'd be able to sell maybe knockoffs of it, or at least, you know, like, uh, I, again, I, I'm, I'm in Ashkocha a lot. Um, so years ago when I started doing Ashkocha at various plants, I would go to the Del Monte corn uh, plant and which was very easy to be kosher. Again, I still, I know, I just saw when I was in Chicago last week, uh, the last Sunday, I saw the person I gave over Dashkocha to. So Tomati, I'm telling you, I know the person giving Dashkocha there, it's fine. Tomati corn, I, I know Tomati that. corn. Uh, uh, I can tell you, corn and beets and, and prune juice. I can tell you, that's what they made over there. So, okay. <laughs> Showing your age again. But anyway, the point being, this was Irish Moon. We're, we're ready for the Bush of Zikadim. I, I could get you a good price for the Bush of Zikadim I work at. But anyway, here's the, here's the point. Here's the point, though. The point, though, is, is that I remember that they showed me, okay, this is our best product. But here's what we sell to the non. Here's what we sell to the to Aldi. This is what we sell to the, the smaller brands. The local. Yeah, so in Israel, a similar thing occurs. They have the best weapons, which they reserve for themselves, and then they have like the ones that are almost as good. They're not exactly that high standard, but they using similar technology, and that's the stuff they sell because they don't want to give weapons to a country that who knows could somehow become their enemy, but they downgraded enough, but it's still darn good, right? If you go to Del, Del Monte's second grade corn, it's still quite good, I can tell you, as someone who sampled it quite a bit when I used to be uh, the Bashki out there. So in the same way, the weapons that they're producing, they have the lower style weapons, and they need that for their economy. That's what the letter of the rabbis refers to. However, he says, Yesh tzorach bepikuach we need to be very careful. Uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, and, 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 and qualify it, check it out, uh, because there are Musr elements here, um, and 
And you can't just say, well, we need this for our economy. Um, therefore, we, the undersigned, call to the state of Israel to stop immediately on any sort of uh, uh, weaponry or any sort of help to Burma, Myanmar. Um, and to make it law that, to make it a law that the Israeli government will adhere to, that if weapons cannot be sold, when they are found to be guilty of crimes against humanity, and of course this was something, a, uh, a term that developed again after World War II, um, and it was a, a term that was actually developed in response to what happened to us, right? We know that the world court that uh, heard about these atrocities of the Holocaust continued to be in session, and we still hear about that. In fact, sometimes you hear about the threat of bringing Israel to that court. You hear about that as well. But that court in The Hague, or wherever it's located, uh, crimes against humanity, which really came out of the Holocaust, that's yeah, that, that said it, when we find events, we find actions that align with the type of things that those were the regimes that afflicted us did, crimes against humanity, then, of course, then we are in line with bringing the prophecy of Yeshaya that we will stop this type of violence on this planet. Um, I came in here yesterday and Yehuda mentioned um, uh, our president's uh, speech and one of the things he highlighted in the State of the Union was the um, and it was the type of he mentioned I think only um, North Korea, but we know that there's plenty of crimes <coughs> out there. North Korea might be the worst, but clearly we need to stand against them. So here I again I, I would have loved it if the first name here would have been, you know. Uh, even if it doesn't have to be, uh, I'd expect it to be Rav Chaim Kanyevsky. But the first name here is Tamar Applebaum. I don't know who she is, but she's a rabba, right? The very first name is Tamar Applebaum. And I'm assuming that this was, um, no, it's not, it's not um, alphabetical. Um, Tehila Eliyatsur, yeah, it is? It's by the last name. Applebaum is before Elliot Sewer? Pay is before Lamed? No. No. Okay. Okay. Probably based on who signed the letter first. Okay. So so I do see it somewhat. Now, I know Rabbi David Bigman. He's a friend of mine. He's the Rashiv in Malad Yoboa. You might have heard his name. He's a. It was a brilliant Talmud Chacham. Um, I do know him. His yeshiva is to the left. He's, uh, you know, Tamar Bitton, I don't know. Yitzchak Ben David, uh, Yehuda Gilad. Um, I do know, of course, Irving Yitz Greenberg. Um, I don't see Blue here. I don't know why. Blue's not here. Um, but I do see Yitz Greenberg here. He sent me a safer of his, and we had a very nice schmooze uh, a number of years ago. Um, uh, Leon Wiener. Um, Shai Zarchi, uh, Yair Yaniv, okay. Benny Lau, I think I know who Benny Lau is, right? He's the, the rebel, the um, uh, Raman Shul in, uh, in Yerushalayim. Ah- ah- right, so is, right, I'm not sure, is he related to uh, to the chief rabbi? I he's think a, he is. He's the son of Naftali. Nef- uh, 
So, I'm pretty sure. Okay. So Benny Lau is there. Um, Ronan Luvich. I don't know him. Ronan who? Now, Lucas <coughs> used to work. Dr. Luke, Shai Lucas, I think, is connected to David Lucas, who was in Turo. I think so. Um, so uh, finally, I'm looking here, I'm looking at Danny Landis. I go, okay, so I know Ramesha Lichtenstein. That is, of course, her Aaron's son. I was so good to have a nice uh, couple of hours. I spent a number of days with him um, because he was the Vershkoil of Termitsio. Ravard Lichtenstein, of course, is the son in law of Rav Soloveitchik. And Ramesha Lichtenstein, so here's the biggest name that I know Danny Landis is there. Michil Melchior. Um, I know that he's quite uh, an important person as well. Um, and you can see it goes down here. Uh, and again, I'm just going through the names here, just looking for some of the Poiskim, some of the Rabbonim, uh, Rabbanit. Um, and I thought it's interesting looking at this. Why there aren't, did they just not knock on the doors? Was that his kind of. I can tell you right away, the first statement would knock them all off. But said it was built, the state that was built with the Chazoyim Nevi'im, yeah. that's already to knock off just everybody. Okay. Eliminates the neighbor. Right. Right. Yeah, because the issue okay, is committed to the Nevi. Okay, so... The issue is committed to men don't learn Nevi. So uh, they're not interested. Uh, uh, it's for women. So, it's for Beziaco. So you tell me, because it says so really what I, what I think, again, what I'm, what I'm positing here, and it's a little bit of a trick on my part, is that there might be a hectic. In other words, I'm not saying that Rokhan Kanievsky is Ogazunzain and, and Rashmul Arbach and other Rabbonim who are leaders in Eretz Yisrael would be supportive of this. Either they would feel it's not our area, we're not going to change them anyway, or there might be, and I think that's what we have to look at, are there options to allow selling arms to these type of regimes? Um, and perhaps there's a, a balance. Maybe, again, and maybe to, to, maybe that's really where it's at. You think it's just, again, I, the, the, my guts tell me that they just didn't want to sign a document together with a bunch of women and rabbis. That's what I think I would say. But I, I would say... I don't think they would go to them. I don't think here. <laughs> what? As far as the okay, but when you have the care. same way, wouldn't it have, wouldn't it have rang a tremendous bell when every again the rabbonim, if, if they can speak out against what's happening at, at the bus um, uh, stops of the uh, the crusta, the uh, right, the, the the lingerie ads in the bus stops, and you can get hundreds. Why can't you get? Names against what's happening that we should make up without that the Medina is involved in and, and partners as you heard from Ellie yeah, said with with Ritzich in the world. Like, these people aren't the ones that are going to be going knocking on their doors. Right. Okay. And uh, have we oh, have no. we vetted these? They couldn't even get to their doors. They get kicked out of the neighborhood. Okay. Ah. The, 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 presumably these, some of them. Rouhani seems to be Islamic extremists. Okay, so let's take a look and see if there's a mocker to be mocked. Okay, let's see if there's a place to allow this. Okay, so those of you, I said it's ripped from the pages of Dafyomi, right? So we have a bunch of Dafyomi learners here, so you know what I'm talking about. So here's the Dafyomi, here's the Gemara, here's the Gemara itself. All right, the Gemara actually brings it in uh, incidentally at first. The Gemara brings it in in terms of, of the, um, about, it's not about non-Jews, it's about Jews that we suspect don't care about 
are our halachos of dinim derachonam. The beginning of Avodah deals with a lot of laws of how we interact with the non-Jews, and it talks about not uh, selling them or providing them with items that they that promote their way of their negative way of life, and Jews have to be careful about that. So the Gemara then says, if you take a look, Okay, here we go. You're not going to like this, but we're going to read it anyway, because uh, we always are uh, here. Uh, okay, here we go. Um, Okay, this is about bestiality, which was seemed to have been an issue in those days. Don't give them these animals that will give them a sort of uh, a means to be involved in uh, bestiality, which is an avera for them. Um, do not. Um, become involved but do not stay with them in a private way uh, these are again the non-Jews don't give them your child to, to teach them anything right um, don't to teach them how to read to teach them a wisdom to teach them a trade okay however when it comes to when it comes to the kusim there is not a problem when it comes to these semi-Jews these Jews who's, uh, who were um, converted, and this gets into, I guess, a little bit the mention of Rabbi last week, these type of conversions that were perhaps suspicious conversions, when it comes to the Kusim, we don't have such worries about them. We do let them have animals, we do let them teach our kids, we don't know if they're really Jews, where we have suspicions about their conversion, but we know that they've adapted enough of our way of life that we don't consider them murderers and etc. So now the Gemara asks, okay, so So that means we don't suspect them of outright doing these sins. And yet, it says, right? We don't sell the metal itself, the sharp metal they can kill. Everybody can see it all right? Little mm-hmm. You don't sell them the, the container that you put the metal in, right? The handle, which could fit perfectly for that, like the you know, to, to fit in, the metal could fit in there. The angel <coughs> If your job is, I don't sell no bottles. You know, you, you come here, you want the, you want your bullet sharpened, you want your knife sharpened. That's what we do. We sharpen people's weapons. They're not sellers, but they happen to have the great the stones. To necessary the sharp stones to 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 turn your blunted knife into a into a true weapon. Um, what else? And we don't sell these imprisonment things. These things that you can put your prisoners in. These are very painful things that once you've captured your prey, you stick him in them, you, right? you, you shackle his knees, you sh- shackle his, his head, and you drag him away so there's the weapons themselves and then after, even in defeat, you don't sell him these degrading uh, um, torturous uh, elements as well um, and that's whether he's a non-Jew or a Kusi so the Gemara says, well, 
what could be the reason why a, a, a non-religious Jew or a Kusi you can't sell these weapons to? So the Gemara says, we know it's not because they're going to kill with it, because you just said that you're allowed to keep your children with them, and you don't suspect them of being murderers. So the Gemara says, So it must be that because you suspect that the, the Kusi, who we're going to call this the 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 gear that we're not so sure about that the kusi what we're worried about is that he will sell to the non-Jew. In other words, we won't sell to the non-Jews because they are involved in murder. They are involved in these type of negative behaviors. But we're not going to sell to the kusi either because the kusi will sell to the non-Jew, but not that he himself is a murderer. Okay. So that's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says not only can't you sell to a person you suspect of using them, you can't sell them to someone who's going to sell to someone who will uh, not care. So the Gemara, then that's that's this piece of Gemara. Is there anybody left to sell to them? <laughs> so you're right. So who, again, so the question is, you can sell it to the Jewish defense force who are different. Now, the Gemara. Rip you off, okay. So now. Okay, we're going to get what that right now. What about the non Jewish population that doesn't go around, like, murdering people? Okay, so that's. So, so it's clear. The question is, again, why. Obviously, wars were allowed. There was, there's been wars in mankind. Since the, since Par, Parshas Lechlocha is the first described one, but we know that wars have been around, right? We know that they're engaged in wars. Why can't you sell? Why can't you sell these things to uh, for them to, to do their wars? So Rashi, if you take a look here, says the reason is because the Kol Hanach. You see the Rashi Mishum Delelisgubu Yisrael. Rashi takes a very um, uh, not all the Rishonim Lurek Rashi, but Rashi says the reason why you can't sell them is because we're afraid Jews are going to be injured by it. In other words, of course, let them fight their wars. Maybe they have the right to fight their wars in an aggressive way. But the way Rashi understands it, the whole Isser is really about you can sell Neshek, you can sell these type of things. We're just worried about Jews <coughs> suffering from it. And there's, right, so again, like Rashi, and Rashi does the same thing over here in, in, in yesterday's daf, you might remember, and we're going to get to that in a second, where the Mishnah says, you can't sell them bears and lions. It doesn't say eagles and patriots here, but you do have, <laughs> right? But you can't have to have some. Anything that tiger. I, I, I had to. <laughs> you're no Detroit fan. That <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking very different, right? I was thinking just parenthetically, I was thinking about maybe connecting weapons to the Super Bowl. I was thinking about maybe showing you uh, Carlin's incredible clip where he talks about how football is always in terms of weapons, but he yeah, yeah. compares football and baseball, right? There's the blitz. The bomb. I saw this morning on one of uh, when I opened up the computer, 
Gronkowski is a weapon, you know, right? 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 Do, 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 you don't call Derek Jeter a weapon, right? You don't call the baseball people that weapon. Football. Have you seen what? what? Have you seen I know, but I'm saying football is about, football brings out this aggression in us, right? Football is about weapons and bombs and marching down the field. Carl, Carlin does it better. You, you've seen Carlin's right. thing on that. But anyway, the point being, yes, I have to sub, you know, again, we're, if people are writing themselves for the Super Bowl, I guess getting aggressive is probably a good thing to be into. But again, you can't sell them bears and lions. You can't, why? Because a bear and a lion, you know what the bear and lion is going to do, right? The bear and the lion are just going to attack people. They're going to keep it around. They're going to, who knows what, right? So Rashi says, what's the reason why you can't sell them a bear and a lion? Uh, and why can't you build uh, these towers and these stadiums. So Rashi says it's because Ubachol Eila, hold on, see why. What does it mean, Nezek Larabim? Ubachol Eila Yesh Nezek Larabim, Ukadeshalo Yitvas Yisrael Shom, Osir Livno Simoyim. So Rashi's very ethnocentric on all these Yisurim. I don't know if you were oymen of this when you were doing the daf. Mars says that they sold the Barsoim because. Oh, oh we're going to get the Barsoim in a second. So the way Rashi learns the Gemara, it's about, not about, the Rambam says in the Parish of Mishnayis, the reason why it's also to do these things is because we can't be mashness the world. And that's what the letter of the rabbis and the Rabbanayot and the Rabbis uh, reference. The Shrita of the Rambam. That we're talking about being mashness the world. Not an Yisrofus Meiver, not a special did. The Rambam says it's being gur mashkos That's the Rambam and the Parish of Mishnayis. If you saw that note, in the uh, in, in in your Gemara, but uh, look in the Rambam, you'll see. That's that idea. Rashi, however, says that this is about Jewish self-preservation, and because of that, we have the Gemara in the earlier part, and this is one of the bases of selling arms to Goyim. Let's take a look. It says the Gemara talks about um, can you sell shields to them or not. Yeah. So Amre, So some say you can sell shields, and some say you can't. So, the Mars says, Trisim Hainutaima, why can't you sell a shield? Okay, anybody who knows Captain America knows what I'm talking about now. Because when they run out of their arrows and their spears, right, they're going to take that shield, right, and whoa, right, 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 whoa, right? You know Captain America we're talking about, right? You take that shield and you smash the guy, you smash the guy with the shield. So that's why you can't sell a shield either. Whereas the other Shita holds, you can sell them shields, because basically a shield is only a defensive weapon. So according to the Yeshayim we have another heter, that you can sell weapons that are defensive in nature. Rabbi Yaakov Ariel, who was asked about this uh, a number of years ago, said Israeli arms should be limited to weapons of defense, and not, again, I don't know how you tell the difference sometimes, but it should be weapons that are there to promote the defense of a country, not offensive. Now again, as his student, uh, Yaakov Epstein writes, in many ways, an offensive weapon is basically also a defensive weapon because it deters people from attacking you. If people know that you have these weapons in your storehouse, so it's like a shield because people won't attack because they're afraid you're going to hit back. Okay, so a so 
So a couple of the Gemara is saying the opposite. Right, but, saying but, but, it, but a shield that existed then too. Right, right. But again, but here you're actually physically talking just the shield. The question is, what do you do with the shield when your shield is down? You say, oh boy, I, I ran out of my arrows. I'm just running away, right? Is that what you're doing? Or are you saying, hey, I'm in this fight. I don't care. Let's go and attack. So that was the machlokas. But what you see, Hilly, is that when it comes to defensive weapons, there seems to be a header. Oh, a, defense, a, a defensive military option. Let's go on. Then the Gemara says, Amr of Adavarava, don't give them the type of material that's just tailor-made for weapons. The Gemara ends up saying this is talking about Indian uh, brass or Indian metal that somehow it's like perfect. Like anybody who sees it says, man, this is a knife, this is a spear, this is perfect. So the Gemara says, so, but in today's times we do so. This is the Gemara talking after the time of the Mishnah, after the time of, like in the later period. You have to realize what Gemara is. Gemara is conversations that happen in different periods in history. Which means by the end of the day, and you see over here the name that shows you it's at the end of the day, that's Ravashi, which meaning by the time the Gemara was put in place, Ravashi says, you know, we can sell today weapons. Why? Because who are we selling them to? We're selling them to Parsoi, the Mignu Ilokim. We're selling them to the Persians. The Persians didn't mean Persians, they mean Parthians, the Neo-Sassans, the people that were controlling our territory because they protect us. So this, as Hilly says, is Shtikorayat Arashi, that it's about our protection. So, even though it's possible that we could get hurt by it, but the At the end of the day, there are Jews that will be hurt by these weapons. But since we primarily live among them, we will be helped by them. So despite the fact that there's a chance, the way Rashi understood it, that Jews can be hurt, but there's a bigger picture, which is we will be protected by them. Okay? Tosfus says right there, the top Tosfus, take a look. Top Tosfus right here, and the Gemara from yesterday's daf. You saw the Tosfus, I'm sure. Um, look at the top Tosfus there. Nira da anan nami shari and hashta lipkarov de kachavim klizayim mahaytayim. The same way it happened in the Gemara in the Middle Ages as well. Tosfus says we are able to sell arms to goyim for the same reason because it's a, it helps us. So now let's talk about the state of Israel for a second. Now obviously with countries that if we sell them arms they're going to come and help us. right? First of all, are there Jews in those countries? Right. If there are Jews in those... I don't know if there's any Jews in Myanmar. I don't know. There were. There was a show. Okay. So if there are Jews in any of these countries we're all connected. So even though it's the state of Israel, if Jews can be protected by that, so the Gemara's Hector Lachor applies. I look what they're doing with it, but it's protecting us. At the end of the day, these are all beautiful, moral ideas, but Jewish self-preservation is more primal. Therefore, 
if Jews, the Gemara is saying, can be protected, we can sell them weapons, even though there is going to be uh, there's going to be a fallout and people are they're going to be hurt, but we're protected. Now, do we take that idea and say, if we have countries that we have relations with, and true, we've got to do we have to do the devil's bargain with them, but we want them to to stand up for us in the UN. They, we want them to provide us with something, with help, <clears throat> maybe even. Who, can we therefore say, hey, we needed to have this relationship with you in order for you to protect the us? The reason why Israel is selling arms to other countries, like the one we were talking, the one they were talking about, would be um, just because they're making money off the deal. That's right. So that's the economy. But, but is it also? But that, that's the reason also because I'm saying, in order we, to make weapons, you have to have customers that are going to buy the weapons. Okay. Now it's not worth. It okay. Make. So so then let me ask you, uh, Baruch. Again, th- this came up when I was a young person, a little bit older than you, that we know that Israel was one of the few countries that was dealing with South Africa, right? That many of the, the whole world was trying to shame South Africa out of the apartheid regime. And one of the things was a tremendous boycott and other pressure, which eventually led, I believe, again, I'm not... Uh, there probably was other things. There was, of course, uh, uh, the ANC and other sort of terror movements and everything. But there was a lot of world pressure that finally got the clique and all those Hevra deposed, right? But we know during that whole time of pressure about a regime that was heartless, right? Again, you know what it was like to be a black in South Africa. Israel was providing them, they were a trading partner with them, and providing them with the type of weapons that the African, the South African Afrikaner security forces were using to fight the ANC, right? Again, it's very funny because we know that there were also Jewish lawyers that were also involved in getting Nelson Mandela out of prison and stuff like that. But the point was, is that you could say we needed South Africa to be on our side. Why do they need South Africa? Baruch says for the money. A nuclear program. What? Yeah. A nuclear program. Because South Africa worked with Israel in helping. We Israel gave them arms, Israel and they. They didn't want Israel got a nuclear boycott business to take shape because they knew that. That they could be open. I don't think so. There was there was mutual involvement with South Africans. Many South Africans, of course, made Aliyah, but there was enough connection there. Let me just show you one thing here. Um, in terms of, I just want to show you one thing from the Tesis I read. We'll stop with this. Um, I found this article online. Uh, my Yitzhar Chochem wasn't working yesterday. I was getting desperate. But it, somehow it worked finally, and I was able to find this article. So I want to show you the sheet of the Riyaz about this. Okay, here we go. Um, the Riyaz was Rabbi Shaya, uh the younger. Anybody that learns Taisus Harit knows I'm talking about. There was there was two great Italian well men Taisus. The first one was called Rabbi Shaya the Elder of Tarani. His grandson was called Yeshaya the Younger. And he is found on the side of the Gemara uh, quoted by Rabbi Shuavo as a Look what he says here. He says that basically we can sell arms to them. Um, and then he says a tremendous Kiddush. Listen to this. I'm sure you didn't see this in your Masifta. 
The whole Easter of selling them was what? That's the way I learned. That was when they were fighting against us. If you're worried that they're going to kill Jews, that's Rashi. But because Jews got punished. as we said, this was exera that occurred when we needed when the non-Jewish world was crushing us. The non-Jewish world attacked us, and therefore, because that's what they wanted. Therefore, they made exera. Don't tell them anything. Today, the Jews are sitting in a way in these countries, in a much better state. Therefore, the whole Easter might not apply when it's not, it's not about, again, it's not like the Rambam, it's not about it's about preservation, and maybe even to the point that the whole Easter has stopped. We all know, Taisha says that we have to be moderate bismanei. Shochanarcha says you can sell, uh, the Shach and others say you can sell arms to Goyim. Um, so here's another hector. Another hector we have is from the Tesis Rid, that the whole Xera was only Xera at that time. Now, this does not sound right when you listen about Myanmar or Rwanda or any of these things. But, as he says, today, there's, there's no shash of genocide. Well, one last thing. Um, that was the... Uh, um, right. So that was the uh, right. Just one last thing on this is that uh, another side to be matir is that okay that possibly and this was uh, done by uh, Rav Gershuni and of course again it's hard to say this but he says uh, this was Rav Yudah Gershuni. Revelation Silver Son in Law, what he says is maybe Christians and Muslims aren't part of the Xera either. Because the whole Xera was Ayyubdeh Abodazara, was people who, right? But it could be Christians and Muslims subscribe to the idea of not murdering. What? So again, but the Easter was promulgated against Ayyubdeh Abodazara. It wasn't necessarily Nochrim. And, and, him, and the only reason why is because they're not places for killing. So. so, therefore, he wants to say, Gershuni, that we know that today, sometimes, even though you're not exact, the Gemara says you're not makabu in Gertayshim, Bismana So, the Peneshu the, the and others say that just means that you're not makabel because <laughs> they are Oyvdevaydazor and not makabel them. But someone who starts off raised in a moral life, despite the fact that there are transgressions, isn't part of that Easter. So therefore, according to uh, according to Yudah Gershuni, comes up with another answer, that maybe the Easter never applied to these countries. Again, obviously, once they show their stripes and you see what they're about, perhaps you should resist. But to just say simply that you can't sell to them is perhaps a misnomer. That could be a reason why uh, what was cautioned here was 
was to not go into it full force. All right, Kevin, we'll see you, Mr. Shem, next week. Thanks again. Okay. Rebbe, I know that here, at least in America, um, the like Israeli arms sales generate a tremendous amount of goodwill towards Israel. Um, like,